Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is Alan Moore, and you are listening to Mainland Europe's number one English language radio sports show, Capital Sports of Moscow's Capital FM. And listen, we have, as always, the very best news, views, reviews, previews, and interviews in the world of sports. So, what are your pretty little ears going to ravish this evening? Well, I'm speaking in a kind of an 18th century romantic poet kind of voice. I'm in that kind of mood tonight, folks, so be ready for it, especially for, for what's coming later on in the fourth segment. You are going to love it. Okay, so uh, in a few minutes, we're going to kick off with a look back at this weekend's Russian Premier League games. Just a few minutes ago, the Siska Mo- Loco Moscow Derby ended in a... Wait for it because we have Andrew Flint on. He's waiting on the line. He's eagerly waiting with bated breath, waiting to tell us just what has gone on. And also, another failure in Europe for Russian clubs this past week. In part two, we're going to speak with Kieran Stewart from the, ex- the Transfer Exchange show. He is going to discuss the EPL games this weekend, potential transfers in the coming week, and of course, tomorrow's Liverpool Arsenal showdown. In part three, our distraught legal legal Liesl Cody. She's going to join us to discuss Spurs, Handball, Mourinho and an awful lot more besides. And our Alex B is going to be calling in from Toronto with a rundown on the NBA and NHL. It is getting great in the NHL, folks. If you've been watching any of the games, it is really, really exciting. And the NBA, well, it's going to what uh, the way the Alex B has uh, said it would. Right at 10 o'clock... Top of the second hour, our foursome in the fourth segment has easeled Alex Andrew Flint and Bozambia Derek. They're going to be talking Black Lives Matter and just how sports is responding to this crisis. In the fifth segment, we're going to ask how can we fix anti-doping and sports and just how London's 2012 Olympics ran out of time. That's with Michelle Verrock and a very good friend of the show and somebody who set up the ethics and anti-doping for UK sport. And of course, at the end of the show, we have the big, fat, filthy quiz with Andrew, Eastult, Alex B, Peter P, Double N, and a surprise guest from American football. It is Danny Gelani. Right, folks, um, now, again, uh, uh, my apologize for my tone of voice, for my. Uh, I don't know, I got my inspiration this evening. I am having fun in here tonight with such a hard time getting set up this evening. You would not believe it. The keyboard broke down. What else broke down? Uh, the Skype stopped working. What else? My brain stopped. Well, my brain never worked anyway, so that's okay. Right, folks, a uh, quick look back at the games that were in the Russian Premier League. Tambov, of course, went down 2-0 at home to Spartak. That was as predicted last night by Andrew, or last week by Andrew. Um, Siska Lokomotiv, we're going to discuss that in a moment. And of course, there is a Moscow Derby tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock. Himki and Dinamo, we're going to ask Andrew about that as well. Because, of course, Spartak are top of the table. So, um, Andrew, is it likely that Spartak are going to stay there? And um, what was that result out at the CSKA Arena tonight? Well, uh, Spartak are, are not letting go. Um, it's a neat are up their level on points, level on 20 points at the top of the table. Spartak are not going anywhere. They are looking fired up. And I think Dominica Tedesco is rumoured to be looking at a contract extension, which was not difficult because his contract was so short in the first place. Um, but tonight we have just finished the Moscow derby, TSK Moscow at home to Lokomotiv, 
Lokomotiv ran out 1-0 winners and your favourite flat track bully himself <laughs> scored Fyodor Smolov um, and to be fair I have to say this I know that we are on slightly opposite ends of the Smolov spectrum but he was brilliant tonight um, Christian Bustovic was sent off for CSK Moscow and um, Loco looked alright but I have to say Viktor Goncharenko he takes the blame for this result how come? Why, why would you blame for that? Because, I mean, I, I, I saw the... Look, Smolov... Okay, flat track bully, okay, fine. I think he's... I think he's... Um, no, I do think there's a lot of quality there. I think there's a player... He's a player who could have gone to greater heights. He just didn't. Absolutely. And, and, and it's something that annoys me because he just showed a lack of ambition at different times when there were times when he was offered good contracts outside of Russia. Um, but he always is kind of, I don't know, I think he, he, it was a bit of cowardice stuck in. But then again, you know, Fyodor, sorry, I, that, that, that's from my opinion, okay? Um, or that's my opinion. But why uh, is Gontrenko <laughs> in trouble? What, what, what did Gontrenko do wrong tonight? Well, it was his, it was his team selection for me. And, um, Cesca have been on very, very good form um, going forwards this season. And Fyodor Chalov started on the bench. Um, but not, not only Chalov, also Adolfo Gaich, their big money Argentine striker, who is your definition of a target man, but he's got quality with his feet. Ilya Skorin was also on the bench. So they started with Chidere Ejuki, who is nominally a pacey wide forward rather than a centre forward. And he tried to be too clever. He tried to say to Nikola Vlasicuk, you play five minutes up front, rotate who is the, the central striker, and it just didn't work. Ajuke was good when he moved out wide in the second half, but Chalov didn't come on until um, after half-time. And by then, they were already 1-0 down, and the tone had set in. So it was, it was a bit of an odd mix when he was already had a winning formula. Okay, um, looking at Lokomotiv, if, if like, you're just looking at the table uh, uh, in itself, I mean, you've got Zenit, okay, as you said, Zenit and Spartak both top on 20 points. Uh, there's just a goal difference separating mm-hmm. them. Rostov in third. Uh, we'll discuss that in a moment, but their European lack of performance. Uh, <laughs> Tsiska then in fourth on 16 points. Sochi uh, hanging in there um, in fifth place. Loco in sixth uh, with 15 points. Um then you've got Dino in ninth, and they're playing course tomorrow. We mentioned at the moment they're playing Himke. Himke down, of course, in 15th position. Um, you know, still without a win this season. Um, do you think that this, this is kind of locomotive wrapped up, you know, kind of, it's like, I mean, they just seem to, you know, split into, into form and out of form. Do you think this is what we're going to expect from, from Loco this season? I think we're going to have to expect it, really, um, because uh, I've not been overly impressed with their recruitment. Francois Camano came off the bench but uh, today, but he's not really blown me away. He's got a lot of pace, and I'm, I'll give him time. But when you take time to settle in, it means form is likely to be a little inconsistent. I don't think they quite have the depth up front to be as consistent as they like. The thing is, Dinamo also have the same sort of problems. Nikolai Komlichenko scored once in the league this season. Um, but Dinamo do have a chance. Um, their derby against Kimki, if they win that, then they would go up into the European places uh, in one fell swoop. That's how close it is. In fact, if they win, there will only be two points separating six teams from third all the way down to uh, seventh or eighth, sorry. So it's it's very close. Anything really could happen from this point. Okay, uh, I mean, okay. Tomorrow, let, let's let's just look look back at Spartak uh, on Saturday. Yes, of course, the kickoff, mm. early kickoff. 
They won 2-0, but they weren't overly impressive in winning, were they? No, no, they, they certainly weren't. And it's not so much of a complete criticism of them, but a bit of credit has to be given to Tambov. When you look at the table, at the basic numbers, they're on seven points. They're in the relegation playoff zone, and they have very, very few stars to speak of. Kirill Panchenko probably is their standout name. Um, but they played with two men up front. They were relatively ambitious. They did make it quite difficult for Spartak. And they, they had to wait to the last quarter of an hour until uh, Ayrton Lucas, Brazilian fullback, got his first goals for the club. Um, both slightly strange finishes, to be honest, but very well taken from, from reasonable distance. And and again, they're grinding out results when Spartak of old would not have done that. So it's a positive win, even though it wasn't glamorous, so to say. Okay. Um, yes, of course, uh, Sochi drew 1-1 at home to Krasnodar in the Krasnodar Derby. Um, Rotor going down 3-1 to Rubin. Rubin are, are, are kind of surprising a lot of us because they're getting decent wins. Um, they're, they're, they are an up-and-down team. We saw that last week as well. Do you think mm. that, you know, that, like, of, of the top teams, so you got like Zenit Spartak, Rostov, Siska, Sochi, and Loco. Of course, Dinamo playing tomorrow. Um, which of those teams do you think are going to do a bit of a sprint and maybe catch, like, you know, second place? Or, you know, who, who do you think of those, like, say, seven or eight teams or nine teams, shall we say? Mm. Well, I think Krasnodar are the best equipped and they have. Um, Victor Klaassen has come back from uh, injury in the last few months and he's looking on really good form. Remy Kabea is is absolutely flying out wide and Shafi Suleimanov can't get in the side. And I, I know he was never quite a first-choice starter um, you know, over a consistent period of time, but he he really is a fabulous player to bring off the bench and that's a sign of the depth they have now that some of their injuries are recovering. So I think Krasnodar have a standout team. Um, Tiska, I would have said them before tonight, but I'm worried about Gontrenka's approach to a big game like this. I was surprised at it. Um, and that gives me a few concerns. So I think Krasnodar are the team I'd pick out. Okay, uh, that, that that is fair enough because I do think that they're a team that has the quality, you know, like you're on the field and off the field as well they, they can do something um, okay uh, let's look ahead to tomorrow night's game of course it's a big one for both sides uh, Himki hosting Dinamo like in the stadium where Dinamo were, were playing when they were <laughs> exiled um, it's not going to be easy for Dinamo because Himki will be up for this they'll kind of think that we can maybe get a point out of this wouldn't they? Oh yeah oh absolutely and Ashak Korean has shown that they have at least some danger men in their side uh, and, and again, I think it's a, it's, and it's going to sound a bit strange, but I think it's a reassuring sign that Himki, although they're only on three points, have shown that they can trouble sides. They have had a couple of draws in the last four games, which, again, it doesn't sound like it's outstanding. They've conceded 18 goals in eight games, so they have, they have Leeds goals, but they do have some danger in there. And like you say, Dinamo are stuttering slightly. They are struggling to score. They've only got seven goals this season. In fact, I think I'm right in saying, yes, only two teams have scored fewer than them. Um, and I mentioned Komlichenko's problems in front of goal. That is a major worry for them. So Himke will be certainly fired up. And they know if they get a win, unlikely as it may well be, that lifts them out of the automatic relegation places. So there's a lot of motivation for them there. Not an easy game for Dinamo. Okay, uh, quickly going through the games next weekend on Saturday at 4.30 Moscow time. 
this car out, your neck of the woods out against Ural. I believe you'll be there at the stadium. Um, that's going to be a tricky one for Siskar because, you know, do you think that they're going to bounce back or they're going to just be kind of, you know, they're, they're vulnerable at this moment? Well, it's very hard to call. I Again, like I say, this tonight's game has confused me with Gontrenka's approach, but I think there is no doubting that they are still obviously a very, very dangerous side. And the, the midfield, the strength and depth in that midfield is 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 quite something. Um, so Christian Bistovic ha- actually had a decent game before he was sent off. So, but they will be able to replace him. It's not a problem. Oral will be um, without Stefan Stramberg, who was sent off today against Akron Grossi, and that's a big, big loss for them. Um, Vladimir Ikov will come in, but he has less pace, so that will be something that Chidere Juke, for example, will be looking to exploit. But Ural did get that point against Zenit, which even the Russian Football Union admitted should have been a win because Dubo was offside. Um, And that was massively reassuring. So that's the game that Ural will focus on rather than the Akhmat defeats today. Um, They're going to have to work for it. Okay, um, there's basically the title decider, Spartak at home against Zenith. Um, that's at seven o'clock on Saturday. That, that's huge, but you know, can you see a kind of a bit of a nothing burger coming out of that? It'll be a scoreless draw. I really want to say no, but my head says it could quite possibly end up that way. And the only thing that might avoid that is the fiery nature of Dominico Tedesco. He's not going to want to to settle for an easy game. He very rarely does. Um, but I think the sense of occasion may well dictate how this game goes. And you've got to remember as well, Zanit have been dropping points in recent weeks. Um, before before their win this weekend, they had dropped points in three of the previous four games. And that's not something they normally do. However, they do have most of their strength at home. Um, so being away... It's, it's going to be tricky for them, and I think safety first will be Sergei Samak's approach. Uh, you may well be right, unfortunately, um, but who knows? Okay, look, fingers crossed. Uh, of course, then on Sunday at two o'clock, there is a huge one. Locomotive at home to Himki. I should be out with that one before I come into the <laughs> studio. Um, I mean, Locomotive, you'd be expecting them to, to give Himki a bit of a spanking, wouldn't you? Because, I mean, they, they are better, but they have been a bit like dodgy at home. Well, they have, but I think uh, I think tonight's result is, is a major factor in this because they will they will look at this game as an opportunity to well to let loose a little bit to to really show what they can do. Smoloff scoring and he he hit the post as well. A really good individual run. Um, even Vladislav Ignatiev was getting forwards in the box, so they showed a lot of confidence. Now against Himki, they won't be taking their foot off the pedal. We know that Marko Nikolic is not the most outgoing coach so this is actually a chance to to go against the green and show look come on let's let's get a few points on the board get a few goals in get a bit of confidence flowing because they need to start scoring more a one goal a game is not good enough for them but I think they will and I think they should be comfortable okay oh, that's fair enough listen looking back uh, does of course uh, uh, Dinamo are playing next Tuesday okay uh, so we'll look ahead to that on they're playing Krasadar at home uh, we'll look ahead to that oh sorry that's on Sunday excuse me on Sunday my god 8 o'clock we actually need to for that Dinamo I mean that's I mean that's a that's a tough one for them because you said Krasadar are kind of one of those teams you'd be looking at to kind of burst ahead um, they weren't great mm. midweek, but you'd still expect Krasnodar to come away with three points. 
yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think you'd have to say that really. Um, you've got to remember as well, uh, Krasnodar will be well. They will have had less time to recover. They'll have their second leg against Park in the Champions League playoff, which is a huge, huge game for them. Um, finally, we could realise Sergei Galitsky's dream of getting Champions League group stage football. Um, so they've got to travel to Greece with a. They've got a, a two-one advantage on aggregate there. Um, but defending that away from home won't be easy. So we'll have to see how they rotate the side, but I think they have enough strength in depth, and Dinamo, I think, will struggle to get a result here. Okay, um, and finally, of course, Rostov flopped, well, he said he flopped against uh, Maccabi in uh, in Israel this week, but I mean, I think it's a kind of a case maybe of people looking down their nose at Israeli football, which is actually, club football there is pretty good. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember well, three or four years ago, there was that phenomenal tie with Zanit when they went 3-0 down and came back to win 4-3. I think it was Yuri Zhirkov who scored the fourth, if memory serves me right. But they they certainly do have some some very, very dangerous um, teams in there. So not to be taken for granted, absolutely not. But it's, look, the European campaign already is depressing to say this at this early stage, but very, very poor for Russian clubs so far. Krasnodar, a lot a lot riding on them. Yeah, the coefficient, of course, we know is very, very important. Look, we're going to go back to the break right now. You're going to be back on us, of course, in uh, in, sec- in, in in the foursome in the fourth. So uh, we'll let you go and uh, get ready for that. But before we do, we know that your mom is listening to this back home. And just want to say <laughs> to uh, say Mother Flint, look, your son is brilliant. We, he is a huge asset to our show. We don't have one of your favourite singers right now. We do have the Black Eyed Peas because we are getting this party started. So stick with us. He'll be back on the fourth and again, hopefully doing very, very well in the quiz tonight. So, Andrew, thank you very, very much. And you can say hi to your mum for the welcome. Hello, mum. <laughs> OK, there we go. OK, so we're going to go back with Andrew. We're going to to the break right now, coming back with Kieran Stewart in just a few minutes. We are going to get this started, OK, with the Black Eyed Peas. Let's get started. Back after this. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Let's get it started in here. And the bass keeps running, running, and running, running. In this context, there's no disrespect, so when I bust my rhyme, you break your necks. We got five minutes for us to disconnect from all intellect and let the rhythm affect. Absolute inhibition, follow your intuition, free your inner soul and break away from tradition. Cause when we be out, girl is pulling me out. You wouldn't believe how we wow shit. We burn it till it's burned out, turn it till it's burned out. Act up from northwest east side. Everybody, yeah. everybody, yeah. let's get into it. Yeah. Get stoked, get started, get started, get started. Let's get it 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 started. Lose control of body and soul. Take it slow, don't get ahead, just jump into it. Y'all hear about it, the peas will do it. Get started, get stupid. Don't worry about it, people will walk you through it. Step by step like an infant new kid. Inch by inch with a new solution. Transmit hits with no delusion. The feeling's irresistible and that's how we move it. Everybody, everybody, let's get into it. Get stupid, get started. 
the time your kiss this till just and bang your spine just pop your head like me apple d up inside your club or in your belly get messy loud and sick your mind fast no more on another head trip so come down now do not correct it let's get ignorant let's get hectic everybody everybody let's get into it get stoked get started get started So I hope you are started. I hope Andrew Flint's mom, you know, when you listen to it, I hope you're having fun because, again, we do this for our listeners. We do this just for all of you guys listening to us because we have fun. Like, we genuinely have fun. I mean, okay, I'm dad dancing in the studio, but I'm having fun. And uh, as long as you guys are enjoying as well, well, we'll, we'll be here to uh, look after a lot of you. So, okay, there is English Premier League going on right now. West Ham are 1-0 up against Wolves. Uh, that uh, is just 20 minutes into that game, 21 minutes into the game. The huge shock today, not Tottenham and Newcastle, but Man City losing 5-2 at home to Leicester. Jamie Vardy getting a hat-trick. Um, okay, there's a lot of goals going in the English Premier League. Last weekend alone, 44 goals, a record for one round of English Premier League games since the uh, inception, I was going to say conception. It was, it was conceived a long time before that, but the inception of the English Premier League since it started 44 goals in one weekend. It doesn't sound a lot, but it, it works out as quite a bit. And remember also that there hasn't been a single nil-nil draw so far this season. Even today, Sheffield losing 1-0 at home to Leeds in the Yorkshire Derby. And of course, they said 1-1 between Spurs and Newcastle. And that West Ham Wolves game, well, unless VAR calls it back, which it won't, there is a, a goal scored in that. So listen, to talk about this, to talk a bit more, and also to have a look ahead to tomorrow to what could be a very, very... Actually, will be a very tricky game for Liverpool tomorrow against Arsenal. Um, not a title decider, but it'll go a long way to seeing just how good this Liverpool team actually are. We have cast our doubts on them. We don't think they're going to win the league, but let's see what happens. We're delighted to welcome on making his Russian debut, Kieran Stewart from the Transfer Exchange Show. Kieran, um, it's always great when there's two Irish fellas talking about English football, isn't it? Uh, because we add a little bit more personality to it, Alan. That's, that's it. That's <laughs> That's it, Kieran. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm delighted to have you back on, uh, or to, <laughs> back on the first time on. You're, you're walking out to the pitch. You know, your number has been held up, and you are, you know, jogging out. Um, first of all, I want to just for, forget English football at the moment. Tell us 
about the Transfer Exchange show. What are you doing and why should everyone tune in? Well, well, Alan, first of all, I'd like to say that you were not the only one doing dad dancing in your living room to that glorious music that was used for the intro there. <laughs> OK, I don't I, feel so bad. <laughs> I was fully involved myself as well. Uh, I felt a bit bad when you did say dad dancing. But <laughs> Sorry, I brought you down the same as myself. You did, you did. You brought me back down to work. But, so basically at the Transfer Exchange show, we are, it's transfers. It's football transfers from around the globe. Um, we also look at um, the best up-and-coming youth um, in and around the world. We speak to experts from all different com- uh, countries to get their views. Experts like you, Alan, who, I have to say, gave one of the best uh, interviews known to man. In fact, there were people that, that rang me up afterwards and they said, I don't know what you two were speaking about for two hours and 40 minutes, but I was engrossed in it. <laughs> we had fun, Kieran. And look, Kieran, that's the whole thing. I mentioned that just, you know, when I, when I was introing this part of this segment. You know, when you have fun doing what you're doing, it just, the time flies. And I had brilliant, like with you, it was just brilliant. I was thinking, God, love you trying to have to edit most of my nonsense out, but you did it and you did a great job. Uh, well, I, I, I just about edited it out, but there was <laughs> the thing is, yeah, what it, what it was. The, the reason why it's so good, Alan, is because we went off on different stories about, about That's it. all different walks of life in Russia <laughs> and in Russian football in Ireland. Ah, oh, it's brilliant! It's brilliant. So I love it. Still again. I, listen, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Um, Let's let's start off with the English Premier League. Uh, last weekend, forty-four goals. Still no nil-nil draws so far. I believe uh, this season. This is the first time ever it's gone so long without mm-hmm. you know, no mm-hmm. team scoring. Um, yeah. Why is that? Is it because it's behind closed doors, uh, or is it just because you know there's not that kind of pressure um, on, on teams right now? They're actually going to have a crack. Yeah, I, I honestly think uh, the the fact that there's no fans in the stadium um, has made a massive impact in, in football so far. Um, me, myself, I feel like there are more goals. I don't know statistically if that's a thing, but even in Germany, when I was watching the, the Bundesliga, it felt like there was more goals. In the Premier League, it, it feels like there's more goals. People are people are having more shots, it feels like. I mean, even, even this weekend, in, in just the, the Man City versus Leicester game, there's like three absolute welders in there and two of them were long-range shots. I mean, uh, there was a couple of other games earlier on as well where it was just peppering. I think it was a Tottenham-Newcastle game. There's about five or six uh, shots to hit the crossbar from long-range. So I just feel like people are, uh, are more, more confident in themselves when there's no when there's no fans about. Is that, I mean, it is something that I have noticed. And I mean, there was a thing there with Jurgen Klopp uh, this past week. I think it was the Carabao Cup. Um, he criticised his players applauding uh, ascending, was it ascending off? I think it was. And there is, does he, that, that the, 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 the officials, everyone's more aware that there's such silence in the stadium, even with the piped in music or piped in sounds, that they can be heard on, 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 on the microphones and cameras. So they're a bit more careful and so players are actually enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, I like, I like the fact that you can hear the instructions from the manager. Um, I, like, I like that you can hear every single word from, from the players. And stuff. It, feels, it, feels, it feels like a bit, you get that Sunday, Sunday league vibe. <laughs> <laughs> taking us back to grassroots kind of thing. But no, I don't mind it. Um, it would be nice to have the fans back in. And I think you, if you did have, or when we do get the fans back in, I think it would be a different game of football as well. 
Yeah, I th- there is something as well about the fans, for example. I've seen with Arsenal, their players playing with a bit more freedom almost. That's Just, again, looking from the outside in, it looks like they're actually having more fun. It's pure, even when they're not doing well, they don't have the fans on their back. And I think that, you know, it's not alone Arsenal fans. You hear fans all over, but there are certain clubs where the fans get after players and that really doesn't help, does it? Yeah, I find it uh, counterproductive, really, when, when fans are booing at players, um, jeering them off, and then to think that they've come back on with with a different kind of pomp because you booed them off. It's, it, it, that, that kind of it's, uh, thinking is nonsense to me. I mean, it could work every now and again, but that's not going to work every week. Uh, and like you, you're 100% correct with regards to there are certain things where their fans are a bit more... I don't know, precious, a bit more. (laughs) (laughs) I'm speaking as an Arsenal fan myself, so I can say it. So I know what our fans are like. Um, And sometimes they can, they can, uh, they can want more from the, from the players than they're actually giving. Um, And they can be on, on their case rather than supporting sometimes, but we're we're not all that bad. We're we're not all that bad. No, I mean, I do do think that the Arsenal players have, um, taken the, the no fans in, in the stadium a bit better than some other teams. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, listen, look at some of the results yesterday. Man United getting kind of gifted uh, 3-2 in over Brighton. Chelsea come back from 3-0 down against mm-hmm. West Brom. Uh, Everton, of course, still going very, very well, beating uh, Crystal Palace away 2-1. Um, I mean, if you look at it, okay, it's, it's, it's early days, of course, in, in, in the season. But if you look at, like, you know, Leicester, of course, top of the table, they, they've, they've won uh, all three games. But you kind of are kind of going, you know, what, what's going to happen? Because if you look at, say, Aston Villa, you know, they've played only one game this season. You know, and, mm-hmm. and it just seems to be that kind of bit of disbalance. And, and then if, yeah. if COVID kicks in again, God knows what's going to happen. Because I think it's, it's starting to bite even again harder in the UK, I believe. Yeah, it is. Which is, is I'm, I'm a bit confused by the fact that they're even contemplating bringing fans back in. When that, if there's one thing that's going to um, send people back into lockdown, it's packing stadiums with twenty thousand plus people in there. So, if you're if you're looking to railroad the Premier League or football as it is, it for me it's bringing in fans and and bringing in the element of of risk um, and and. You just want to, if you want the football to continue right now, bringing fans back into the stadium for me isn't the, the number one priority. It's getting a bit of continuity. It's getting a bit of um, consistency for teams like Aston Villa. They must be thinking, when are we going to get our games? You don't want to be looking up at the table, although you've got them games in hand, and seeing teams that are already above you with with points that you haven't got yet. So, and that's a mind thing as well. So, I can understand if uh, Villa are feeling it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, again, it's something that I, I, I'm with you 100%. Uh, when they started letting fans back in the stadiums here in or in Russia, they said, OK, five, 10% of the stadium and so on and so forth. We discussed this, of course, on the show, on your show. And mm-hmm. for me, it just baffled me when, especially when cases continue to rise in Moscow. I mean, we've gone up a thousand a day in like a week. Um, I know how it is in the UK. I know how it is in Ireland, where in Dublin, like, I mean, it's, Lockdown Central, so uh, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm a bit worried about that. But look, let's leave that aside because the business of football still goes on. Um, in a week's time, next Sunday, I believe the transfer window is closing. Um, it is. So 
Will Declan Rice move from West Ham? Because apparently West Ham are desperate for cash. Uh, Chelsea are the likeliest suitors, I believe. Um, do you think he'll go? Um, well, we had Roshan Thomas on, on, on our show last week. Um, uh, he's a, a writer for The Athletic. And he basically said if after they'd sold uh, one of the young wingers, which caused massive uproar uh, between the players, uh, the fans and the board, um, getting rid of Declan Rice would be suicidal. Like that the fans would, would absolutely lose it. And then if you're, unless you're bringing in some substantial players, it, it's, it's, it, it wouldn't be a good move PR wise for, for West Ham and, and they're, they're sort of, sticky situation the sort of fractious relation that they have with the fans and the players as it is um, personally I think West, I think Chelsea are going to push for it it's, it's whether West Ham have got um, someone who could uh, could take his spot as a replacement so I don't know I think that one will go down to the down to the wire and definitely down to the last day of the of the transfer window but if you want to catch any of them transfer dealings Make sure you're catching us on the Transfer Exchange Show Deadline Day Special. That is, listen, I'm looking forward to that. Um, what else has been on the radar so far that you can share with us? Because I know that Arsenal are trying to look for you know players. There's one of the lads from Lyon, I believe, Jose Mawar or Awir or Awar. I mean that that's going to cost them a fair bit of money, but they have the cash in the bank. Do you think they're going to get them? It is. Um, the thing is with Arsenal right now, it, it's not all about money. I think I think with with a lot of fans, um, Arsenal leave people guessing. They don't like to share any of their information. And it's understandable because you, you're kind of showing all your cards if you're telling people you've got loads of money. And it, it's one of them situations you really want to keep it quiet when you're trying to do your transfer dealing. So it's left a lot of Arsenal fans guessing. They're guess, trying to guess whether it's to do with the players in the, on, on, in the squad or whether it's to do with um, money. For me, I've been told that Arsenal do have money. They're not they're, they're not Man City or PSG, but they've got money to buy players with. The problem, the main problem, is they've got too many players on the books. They've got too many first team players on the books and they need to reduce that squad down um, and that's a big thing uh, Hossamawa I've been assured that Hossamawa will be an Arsenal player this season um, there is still a few things to tidy up on the deal but um, from what we've been told we've been told the deal is, has been accepted and that Hossamawa will, will uh, have a medical at Arsenal next week oh. Um so yeah. it's almost okay. It's done deal. Basically, it's just well, well. A lot of the a lot of the places will be saying that it's not. And if we, if we're going by them, they're saying there's still a lot to do, and they haven't accepted the bid. But this this is this is coming from us. This is coming from our sources, and our sources have been right every time so far. So I have no reason to to doubt them this time. Um, Hossamawa will be an Arsenal player next season. Uh, After good. that, they're trying to go for Thomas Party. Okay, um, listen, I'm going to ask you, uh, say, having a look at tomorrow's game, okay, uh, Liverpool-Arsenal. Um, this, is, this is a good time for Arsenal to catch Liverpool because even though, you know, Liverpool, they're, you know, reigning champions, they're supposed to be champions of the world, according to their fans. Um, they, they are, like, you know, they are vulnerable, I believe, at this moment. Do you think Arsenal could maybe nip past them and at least get a draw? Um, yeah, there's every there's every chance that Arsenal can get a result tomorrow. Um, they're they're in they're in they're in. I mean, to say they're in good form is would be a lie. But 
as in results wise, it's been good. Um, the, the the football's been a bit up and down, but if you're talking about progression with with Mikel Arteta, there's been nothing but progression with Arsenal. Uh, they've already taken the scalp off Liverpool in the in the um, Community Shield recently, and personally, I think that Arsenal could get a result tomorrow. I think they could get a draw tomorrow. Um, it's going to be a very tough game because Liverpool, although they had a bit of a shaky start against Leeds, uh, the following game they were they're absolutely awesome um, and they're going to be coming all guns blazing tomorrow. So it should be a really good game. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the games that now I would actually, I'm, I'm not, I would, I will actually tune into it because I do think Arsenal have that little bit extra that might surprise Liverpool tomorrow. I do think it's, I think they can catch them on the hop because again, both teams, you know, Arsenal third, Liverpool fourth, they're both on the same points. Arsenal ahead on goal difference. A win tomorrow for Arsenal would, you know, it's going to put down an early season marker. So I'm looking forward to it. Kieran, before we let you go, um, just give us the, uh, let's say, the details, the addresses for the Transfer Exchange Show, because I know a lot of our listeners are going to start having a look to see what is going to happen. Okay, so you can catch us on Twitter, uh, the Transfer X. Uh, you can also catch us on that Instagram, and that's the Transfer Exchange. Um, you can catch, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube. That's KS1 TV. Um, we've got the Transfer Exchange show, the review, every Sunday. Obviously, after you've listened to Capital FM 105.3, <laughs> come and tune in to the Transfer Exchange show. It's on the Twitter this week, but usually it's on, on the YouTube. We're trying to take a load of our Twitter following over to YouTube. And as of tomorrow, we're going to be doing lives. So make sure you stick on your notifications because at any point we could be doing a live on any of the socials where we can be catching up with one of our experts or one of our sources on the ground, wherever they are, talking about the latest transfer news before it goes up onto the Twitter and we began in detail. And if you're lucky, we may let you ask us some questions as well. That is awesome. Listen, what time are you kicking off tonight? Uh, we're kicking off 8 o'clock tonight. But that's, that's, we can't stop talking. We don't yeah, stop. I know. So. Kieran, listen, I'm going to say goodbye to you. It's 10 o'clock Russian time, but look, folks, you can have it on the background, have us with the music and kind of as a white noise in the background and enjoy it. Kieran, Stuart, thank you so, so much. And I'm looking forward to following next week's rush to buy some, you know, product, some, some players and to get rid of some as well. Thank you very much, Alan. Thank you for having me. Okay, that was Kieran Stewart for the Transfer Exchange show. Now, the next song we're going to play out with is by Kasabian. It was the anthem for the English Premier League uh, from 2010-2013, and it is the goal song for Leicester City. They didn't, of course, play today. <laughs> play it today, even though they could have played it five times. But we're going to play for you tonight. This is Kasabian and Fire. Back after the break with Isil Cody and Alex B. Sports with Alan Moore. Take me to the night, and I'm an easy lover. Take me into the fight, and I'm an easy brother.
Okay, folks, I hope you enjoyed that and you were rocking a little bit. And again, I'm sorry about saying, you know, dad dance. I'm sorry, Kieran, because you know, it's just what has, I've been accused of making dad jokes, making dad dances and the whole lot. Well, look, okay, I am a dad. So what? Like, I mean, that's what I have to do. Okay. Now, we're going to speak about Spurs in just a moment. Uh, that game in England right now, of course, is still, it is still between West Ham and Wolves. One nil, 40 minutes gone in that. Of course, we'll have the final whistle before we go off air. So be ready for it. Um, okay, so looking around in the USA, there are a lot of games on right now in the NFL. Well, look, we're going to leave Alex B alone from this at the moment because it's still kind of early in the season. So we're going to laugh at some of the teams and cheer for some teams. So our very own Cleveland Browns, our very own Cleveland Browns, they are beating Washington, name to be decided later, uh, 17-7 right now. That's in the third quarter, but you never know. Washington, one and one they, They're not great away, but they could make a comeback. The Atlanta Falcons, 16-10 up against the Chicago Bears. The Bills are beating the Rams, 21-3. The Vikings, 17-9 up against the Titans. Patriots, ooh, squeaky bum time. They are leading 13-10 against the Raiders. The New York Giants losing at home. Uh, kind of not surprising their own two this season. Losing to the 1-1 one one San Francisco 49ers, 16 points to 6. Cincinnati Bengals, that of course is uh, Eastle's team, or our Eastle's team, whatever way you want to say it. They are 0-2 in the season after getting Joe Burrow the number one pick last year. Uh, they are losing 13-10 away to the equally awful Philadelphia Eagles. The Pittsburgh Steelers have the ball and they are driving from halfway. They are 17-21 down against the Houston Texans. Uh, games starting at 11 o'clock, the Jets and the Colts, the Panthers and Chargers. The Bucks and Broncos a bit later on tonight. The Lions and Cardinals and the Cowboys and the Seahawks. And we're going to be discussing the uh, ramifications and the effects of the Black Lives uh, the Black Lives Matter movement in North America a little bit later on uh, after 10 o'clock in our foursome in the fourth. But we're going to start off with a terrible result because um, Spurs lost today and Mr. Jose Mourinho wasn't that happy, was he, Isolde? He certainly was not. And while I may not have been Jose's biggest fan when he arrived, I actually thought today gave us his post-match comments. I'll go into the incident in a second because I'm calling it the incident. Yeah. Um, his post-match comments actually gave us a really big insight into a culture that I don't like in the FA and the Premiership in general. Um to date, we've kind of seen... So, there have been managers in the past. Arsene Wenger was a great man for saying something and then Arsenal having to open up a checkbook and go, we're just going to have to pay the fine for him commenting. Because his comments about referees and about how matches operated were often... They went too far. But today, we saw the exact opposite, where at the end of the match, in his post-match interview, Jose pointed out how he much prefers to give money to charity than to the FA, so he was going to keep his mouth shut. And I think if a manager can't comment on a rule which needs to be changed, we're going to get to a point where managers can only talk at halftime to their teams and they can't give an opinion on a rule, which to my mind, not just being a Spurs fan who is quite disgruntled, a rule that has ramifications that just, it doesn't tie in with football. Um, you can't have a rule... so. Do you want me to? I'll give you a no. quick breakdown of my issues with the rule. Okay, just one moment. One moment before you do. It is something that has crept in across sports in general. And when I was working with athletes and even with clubs as well, 
there were a lot of times where you would have to try and clamp down on people from what they were saying because sometimes yeah. you'd have a manager who would have an agenda, a player who would have an agenda, an agent who would be in a journalist here, or a tennis player who'd walk off ready to let loose and you'd basically, you know, put a gag in their... Oh, this sounds very, very hashtag me too. You'd basically put a gag <laughs> in their mouth and try to chloroform them. I never did that, by the way. Just to say... Don't start on because so many times, um, you know, the slightest little thing will be taken out of context. Like once, once when uh, I won't name her, a Russian tennis player that I worked with, she turned around to a journalist and said, like after a game, after losing a game, when honestly she was cheated out of it in every single way possible by the local umpire, and um, I mean it wasn't even balls that were bouncing the line or that. It was just really rotten, rotten behaviour from the referee, the other player as well. It was just really, really terrible. Um, I won't even name the country that she was in, even though it, it uh, was in the UK, um, one of the UK countries, uh, and. You know, when she came off the court, she turned around and said, you know what, I've seen better officiating, you know, and I think she, she named some third world, or what she said, in a third world country or wherever it was. And people took it up that, you know, she was being a racist. When she wasn't, she was saying that, the, like, she was cheated so badly and so on. So, it was the quality of officiating. Exactly. And I, and I mean, she, I, and I, I, sorry, she said a, 10, a 10K tournament in Egypt. That's exactly what she said. You know, so, you know, when there's only one umpire, but here there's a whole line crew and it was in Wimbledon. But anyway, OK, your issues with the situation regarding managers being allowed or not allowed to speak their minds. I don't like the culture of saying too much, of going out and picking on a referee. I don't think in this instance the issue was with the referee. And I think that's where my problem is. I think I don't I don't want to see Jose going, the referee did that, the referee did this. But where it is an issue with an actual rule, then you should have licensed to say, here's the issue with the rule, not with the individual, with the rule. So the way the in the last year, they basically changed the handball rule. And what they have gone from is a rule where there was a level of intent in your behavior to now basically saying if the ball accidentally hits you, even if you're falling to the ground, unless you're putting out your arm to stop yourself falling as in to support yourself on the fall, we're going to consider it a free. And that also goes for, they've actually said in the rules, because I read them, that where you are going in to slide tackle someone, your hands should not really be behind your head. That seems like an unnatural position to them. So even if your hands kind of drag out behind you for whatever reason and you hit a ball, yeah, that's another one. So basically all level of intent has gone out of it. And to me, that basically can open the floodgates. It didn't happen today in this way, but what's to say that a team aren't going to go, oh, we might not get by this goalkeeper, but why don't we just whack the ball off this defender's arm? It's, you know, it's a target that you're not going, unless you're able to move quite quickly, you can get hit quite easily on the arm. It's not that difficult to think. And an accidental handball now is going to automatically go, yeah, it's a free. Dyer's back was to the ball pretty much. But but this is where it all comes in because I've had it once where I, I was smacked in the face with the ball. Okay, I was running in. It was a it was a second division game in Saudi Arabia, and I was running to try and block a shot, and I got hit in the face. Of course, straight away, um, my hands went to my face because you know it smacked me straight right between the eyes. I almost like cut off the microphone with my hands in front of my face. So um, it smacked me in the face. I I clutched my face. It was bloody agony, and I fell on the ground. And the referee thought that I had stopped it with my hands. 
Now, when we looked at the video afterwards, the referee, like, you know, I wanted to say, you call the referee and say, can you just apologise for that? But, I mean, it was after the game. But it was one of those things where, you know, we, we've had so many times when players have been, like, using the like using their hands, and we saw Thierry Henry, of course, against Ireland, um, mm-hmm. do it. And not just that, but two of the guys, including the goal scorer, also went uh, to use their hand to try and knock it into the net. So, you know, will there be balance? Is this the same as the offside rule, uh, Isolt? Is this something that, you know, we're going to, fi- you know, fiddle with, fiddle with, and then nothing happens? You see, the difficulty is, the longer we play around with a rule where there's no level of intent, the longer we're going to have instances where people start to question it and go, oh, well, maybe you're trying to determine, like, oh, he didn't intend to kick it off someone. Well, you, you can. And the difficulty with these rules is, they're on, they've only just been introduced. And like with most things, people will complain initially. And they'll probably complain more when it's the bigger teams impacted. I'm not considering Spurs a bigger team in the greater context of things at the moment. But what happens when we see like the way VAR can sometimes determine a game in the wrong manner? Sometimes VAR is right. But do we want to see the same thing happening with accidental fouls? Because there is a line. And I think... If, what are they to do? Are they meant to put in the rules and say, well, actually, if you determine it's accidental because he has his back to the ball, then we're going to have to go back to looking at everything in a replay immediately afterwards. And VAR will then come into making a decision on that front as well. Whereas, to my mind, a referee should be able to determine whether it looks intentional or not with a handball. Now, if you put your hand up to protect your face, there's going to be a question about it. But is there no way we can look at somewhere where there could at least be a system where if it looks accidental, look, the other team can kick the ball over the sideline. My issue is where it's blatantly, there's no, in, there's no intent to foul. You don't need to have a rule. The only sport where I think it's appropriate to have sanction for a foul which isn't intentional is rugby. Because that's what happens with head contact. They now say you don't have to have the intent in certain instances to be penalised. It's the contact. But this isn't, that's for player welfare. This is just a rule that's been brought in to try and, as they put it in their own rule book, it's been brought in to try and clarify the situation. And what it has actually done is created a more confusing situation for a player. And I think it's very unfair, not just to Dyer, but to any player who's going to essentially cost his team a win by virtue of something that is not a deliberate or in any way... Yeah, it's, it's in no way reflective yeah. of his play no, for the game. No, that's a, he's not that kind of player, as we always hear. Uh, look, <laughs> he's sold. Um, we're going to go now to Alex B. I know you're going to be with us in the fourth segment. So, um, thank you for that. We're going to go to Alex B. now in just a moment. Um, Alex, I know you're on the line waiting for us. Um, First of all, I want to just ask, uh, Israel Adesanya, who, of course, retained his middleweight crown in the UFC, what's wrong with his right breast? Alex B? What's wrong? Yeah, yeah, I'm here, I'm here. Sorry, can you just repeat the question again? What's wrong with I me? I shall Do indeed. I... Now, in the quiz later on, I won't be re- repeating the questions you got again the first time. So, yeah. I'm going to ask you the question again. Last night, UFC 253. Uh, Israel Adesanya uh, retained his middleweight title. Uh, again, one of the, the, the great fighters at the moment on the go. But what was wrong with his, uh, the right side of his chest? It looked a bit more pumped than the left. Oh yeah, that's true. I was actually watching the fight, and uh, a lot of my friends I was watching the fight with pointed that out. 
yeah, I don't know. I don't, uh, but like the the thing was that he said that after the fight was that you know in fighting it doesn't really matter how you look. He's just kind of like Paulo Costa, the person he was fighting against. Obviously, like if he who Paulo Costa is, he's just you know a lot of people thought that Paulo Costa was going to win just from the looks of it because you know uh, his role design he's kind of like the skinny skinny guy, but you know Paulo Costa is the, the he his primary he started off fighting as a bodybuilder. So, you know, right now he has, like, he was, I think he was, he was doing something back in the day. Like, I think 10 okay. years ago, he was, I was obviously juicing. Cause, you know, <laughs> he was a bodybuilder. That's what, that's what, that's what you do. But, you know, at this point, you know, Israel Desanya, he got, he got a very good TKO in the second round. Um, so, yeah, it really doesn't matter. Actually, I thought that Desanya was the clear favorite because he's actually, you know, outside of the UFC, all of his fights he's have he had like I think a, that that marked his hundredth win in just fights overall, including kickboxing and all that. So that's so his, that's fight, his fight record is over hundred wins. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, that's that's why he's undefeated within the UFC. I think that was his twentieth uh, win in a row in the UFC. Uh, he's still undefeated. He's the champion, and well, yeah. It, it was, it was just a very good, very good performance from him. And the other fight that happened last night, uh, Jan Blachowicz from Poland won the um, light heavyweight championship. And he he was kind of like in this elite company now because the light, heavy, the light heavyweight um, division was kind of dominated by John Jones and Daniel Cormier for the past decade. Okay. So those, those have been the only two champions. Okay. And, you know, now that John Jones, he obviously can went up to heavyweight, and Jan Blachowicz took the, took the title against Dominic Reyes. Okay. But the biggest news, in the, well, I mean, it's not the biggest news, but it's the most controversial news that, you know, have come out of the UFC. Obviously, Colby Covington two weeks ago, uh, his... We'll, we'll um, come into that, we'll come into that in, in, the, in the, next, the, next, the next section, Alex. <laughs> so in, in section four, we'll come All into right, that. All right, no problem. Because um, yeah. that, that, that lines up exactly what we're, we're going to talk about. Uh, listen, quickly before we go to break, we'll come back after the break with a bit of NBA because we know who is qualified from the West, who won the West. But in the NHL, the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Stars had a double overtime win and now trail Tampa Bay 3-2, correct? Uh, yes, that is correct. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. This week is going to be very busy. We'll see. We'll have a lot of champions this week. Um, well, yeah, that was obviously a very big win for the for the Stars being down like that. You know, had they lost that game, it would have been over. But, you know, they're still in it. And, um, yeah, it should be interesting. Okay, because the matchup, of course, as you mentioned, it is on Tuesday morning, early hours of uh, Tuesday morning in Moscow, three in the morning. Okay, Alex, listen, uh, we're going to come back after the break. You're going to hang on with us and we're going to have a look at the NBA because, of course, history was made after 10 years away. One team is back in the finals. We'll be back after the break with uh, our foursome in the fourth, but also to start off with a look at the NBA. We'll go right to the break right now. So wherever you listen, whether it is in Tumen, Moscow, Turkey, wherever it may be, enjoy this next song. This is Murphy and Mercy. Back after this. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Get to the first now. 